Hello and welcome to the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Harris, and I work with chief execs, boards of directors, senior leaders, helping them have more focus, flow, and fun. Now, today's guest uh, is here in New Zealand. Uh, she often mocks me for my poor Kiwi accent, and she is an excellent speaker. It is the wonderful Monica Moore. Welcome. Good afternoon, and thank you for that wonderful welcome, Adam. And can I just say as a disclaimer, just because I mock you doesn't mean I don't love you. You're important. So, uh, right, let's get straight into it. So um, you've re- you wrote a book recently called Buy the Damn Dress. Uh, some would say that's a little bit, uh, you know, provocative in its title. Uh, tell us what it's all about. Well, we like a bit of provocative, really. It makes your day and it makes people think, oh, what's this? It's actually got very little to do with the dress, but it sounds great. And it's a, a metaphor around making what I like to call delicious decisions, the kind of decisions that lift your day and yourself and give you that mm-mm feeling. But I'm not referring it to anything provocative here, Adam. I'm talking about something. I'm talking about uh, how to make the kind of decisions that really do make your life successful, with and particularly in the corporate world. So why aren't people making delicious decisions? Well, where do you learn to make a decision, Adam? You can't do a degree in it. I try, I did some postgraduate study, uh, which was quite useful. Uh, you can, you can um, hopefully learn by your own mistakes, but we don't all do that. You can watch other people and hopefully learn a skill or two. You can go deep into your values, but some people aren't even sure what those are. So really, we're all quite a bit lost and confused, Adam, and it's more a case of um, how do you make one? Is it is that um, why aren't we making those good decisions? And what is stopping you? And um, so I did quite a lot of study around this. I did some postgraduate work. I got accepted and I did a sabbatical, got awarded a sabbatical and, um, and a scholarship to study it in 2015, I did a, it was actually through one of your favourite countries, a place that you do the accent so well, in Australia. Oh yeah, Australia bro. Yes, it was um, researching and studying edu- uh, management and leadership. And during that time I, I put a model together, but I've had a couple of experiences actually, Adam, that really led to me learning how to make a good decision. So how do you, how do I make a good decision? Well, obviously you do because you've met me and invited me onto this, but how do you make a good decision? You make a good decision. The short version is that when what you know and when what you feel, that instinct, that gut, really important, and then what you do are the same thing. You're likely to make great decisions. And that sounds really obvious. The more I researched it and the more I watched people and the more I thought back into my own self, I, I would know something, but often mm-hmm. that wasn't what I was doing. And I think in a lot of businesses as well, people will stick to that thing that's safe, even though they've got that gut feeling, this isn't quite right. But they'll go, they'll know it and they'll feel it, but they'll go and do what they think might be the right thing, but it isn't. It's because the good old everybody else, we've always done it like this, everybody else is doing it, I'll do it like that too. Yeah, so that kind of... Um Reminds me of a, a coaching session I was on just last week where the individual was making the decision because they f- because they felt 
as if it was the inverted commas the right thing to do for the organization it was the safe option they were battling with it internally um so have we just got to the, st the stage where within a lot of organizations uh trusting the gut i often talk about the head the heart and the gut um are we just in a place where a lot of play people are kind of just in the safe zone when it comes to decision making I think it's more fear-based, to be honest, Adam. It's like if I dip my toe in the water and do something different, I might, I might drown. When really the, the fear becomes, it, it lives deep inside and often in our subconscious. It'll relate back to something that we happened when we were younger that will, that will limit our capacity to take what some people would call a risk. But when it's what you feel and what you know and then you action it, it's highly likely it's going to work. It's going to work, but we have these experiences, particularly the first seven years of our lives, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton, that up to 90% of what we do lives in our subconscious. So even though you get this feeling, this isn't really what I want to do, and some people aren't even connected to that gut feeling. How about you, Adam? Are you connected to your gut feeling? Hmm. Uh, yes, I'm very connected to my gut feeling. Um, and often I've allowed it to... Uh, guide me I suppose this the aspect of kind of trust and let go so make the decision to move forward when actually the the solution is unclear um, maybe that's be, maybe that's my uh, tenacity or my self-belief that kind of I kind of go look you know I'll always find a way to kind of you know uh, push through Could, I'd love for you to kind of give some examples um, either of, of yours or people that you've worked with around um, this decision-making process and some of the methodology and the challenges that you push and, and help others with, but actually those listening to this uh, need to really reflect and think on it for themselves. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that, that is excellent. So I'll start off with the story about the dress. And the story about the dress goes a little bit like, it goes like this. Many years ago, uh, about five years ago, to be honest, when I was about 27, um, <laughs> Excuse me, you're not mocking me, are you? Now, I want to no. talk, remind me, we, we need to talk about your gut feeling as well. I have a lot to say about okay. you and your gut feeling. Um, when I was 27, I bought a dress, a designer dress in a sale, and it cost, it's quite expensive, it was for back then, $86. And I bought the dress, and probably that $86 was the um, entire sum of all the clothing I'd bought in the previous three or four years. But I did own my own house. It was actually my second home. I bought my first one when I was 24. So I, when I look back, I think I was actually very good with money. So I, I owned this house and I, I had a child. I'd already been through a, a divorce because, you know, I like to buy white dresses. That's not the reason. Um, is, so I bought this dress and I remember a really good friend said to me, Monica, you look fantastic in that dress. You should wear clothes like that more often. And I found myself saying to her, oh, no, I should never have bought that. You know, I could have paid some money off the mortgage. It could have gone towards an education fund, some fund for my two-year-old child. I could, have, I could have spent it on my furthering my own education. I already had a degree and a job. And I wasn't allowing myself to enjoy the stress. And she looked at me horrified and said, oh, for goodness sake, don't be so ridiculous. It sounds like you've gone and buy, bought a really ridiculous car or you've gone on a world trip. It's just a dress. And she was shocked. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, why am I not letting myself enjoy this? Of course I could afford it. And sometimes it was about 
doing something that's not typical. So if you're making a decision within a corporate setting as well, oh, I'm going to do this, this is the right thing to do. And for some moment of you know frivolity, I don't know what it was that I allowed myself to do that, I realised it was I was going against the grain of how I'd been brought up and what I was doing. And when you look at a lot of corporates where they'll say, oh, look, I'll do it this way because we've always done it like this and I won't get any trouble and it'll be safe. And, you know, Adam, I was playing a very small, safe game. And it really had an impact, a real, really strong impact on me. So I then started to allow myself to make a few more decisions that were more gut feeling than what was usual for me. And I started to be, this is a whole new experience for me, I started to feel a lot happier. And I realised I'd been performing and conforming rather than mm -hmm. doing what I really wanted. So step forward 12 years, and I'm 38, so it's about six months ago, and um, I'm at a dinner party in a town where the, I knew just about everyone because I'd always lived there because, of course, I was too frightened to move out of the town in case something bad happened to me. And I'm, I'm at a buffet and I'm just reaching forward to get a scoop of, um, I think it was potatoes, and there was a woman beside me I didn't know. I thought I'd better start up a conversation and find out who this woman is. So I said to her, so what's been your biggest, most, biggest adventure to date? And thinking, oh, she might have gone skiing because we live somewhere where everyone goes skiing. And she said, um, oh, and I'll never forget it, Adam. She said, oh, my biggest adventure to date, that's easy. She said, my biggest adventure to, to date has been leaving everybody in the world that I knew and everyone in the world that I loved, my entire family, because I wanted to escape a religious sect. Now that was quite big, it was like, how am I gonna to respond to this? That's what it she said next that hit me. To escape a religious sect, so I could make decisions for me and about me. And here I was, absolutely, I still remember the moment here I was in my late 30s, married with three children, with a career, I had a part-time theatre business, I had a lovely home, and I knew in that moment, I could still feel it, that I had no real idea how to make a decision for me or about me. And that was really defining, and I then realised after I did all my postgraduate study and did the course in Australia, I realised there was a lot of people in the world like me that don't allow themselves to get ahead. Because here's the thing, there's so many people make these great decisions and they're, they're having these successful and meaningful lives where other people are falling well short no matter what they do. And it is because of this that when what you know and what you do and what you feel are all the same things, it's going to work. It really is. And I, but you've got to give yourself that permission. You've got to yep. give yourself that confidence. I've got a whole bunch of pops, I call them the pops around that. But back to you, Adam, one thing I really do notice about you as I've got to know you is that you really do trust that gut. And I hear you speaking it as well, you know, how are you going to get through whatever it is that you're doing? And you'll say, well, I've done this and I'm going to do that so I can get to here. And you're, you're not, you're calm, you're resilient and you're really, you're intelligent and you're really going into that gut feeling even though your New Zealand accent is appalling, you have, you have this unique ability and the strength to work your way through it. 
And every time we've had a discussion around something that's been a challenge, you have always got a solution or something in place. You, It's like you're just ploughing, you know, you're moving your way through because nothing is going to stop you. You know, I, if I was thinking about how you were, I would think of, let me think, that you're probably quite frank and fearless. Have you ever thought of using those two words? Uh, well, it's funny you should, should say that. Somebody else has mentioned that to me before. Um, thank you for the compliment. Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose I suppose for me, um, I, I kind of look back and I, I think there's a couple of things. One... I know that anything that I am going to achieve, I've got to be kind of almost the ruler of my own destiny. So um, it, it's not my responsibility what anybody else thinks or does. So if I want to make the change or if I want to uh, be uncomfortable or if I want to um, push forward, is this that I, I, it's not going to happen. I've just, I've got to kind of make it happen. Um, and I suppose the resiliency has just come from... Um, I suppose just taking lots of punches. You know, if it was a boxing match, you know, I, I, I've taken a lot of punches. I mean, God, I had about two or three today. And then you just kind of go, okay, right, stop, pause, reflect, breathe in, uh, take it on board. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a speaker friend of mine, um, Paul McGee, says, you know, in a scale on a scale of one to ten, where ten is death, how important is this going to be in six months' time? So I, I suppose for me, I've just got an ability to be, to quite quickly be able to put things into context and go, right, okay, um, yes, the proverbial may well have hit the fan on this day at this time, but actually it is just a kind of a moment in time. Um, you know, there's a parable that I often speak about, um, good thing, bad thing, who knows? So this, this uh, the thought process that actually something happens at a moment in time and actually we can label it there and then but actually sometimes we just need to allow it to roll out you know um you know everybody listening to this will have had situations where the instant thought is this is a bad thing but actually as time has gone on sometimes very short time sometimes years later Actually, do you know what? That was the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, being made redundant or, uh, you know, finishing that relationship. At the time, there's emotion that's involved within the situation. But actually, you know, um, as time as time is a healer, as they say, is that you kind of push through. Um, you mentioned this aspect about uh, gut feeling. Tell us more. Oh, actually, I'm going to come back to you with a couple of okay. some feedback on your everything you've just said. So the first one is that you're giving yourself permission to be the ruler of your own destiny. Who doesn't want to be the ruler of their own destiny? No one. But you have got a set of skills. Cue Liam Neeson and the um, the phone call. I have a very set of specific skills. But you do. You so you are you've given yourself permission to be the ruler of your own destiny and i wonder how many people listening don't do that okay so what's the one or two or three things that those that are listening that they can or should do to give themselves that permission open your mouth i give myself permission and when you do that drop your voice i give myself permission i give myself permission 
most people sound quite sexy when they do that, but I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> I think it was that Arnold Schwarzenegger UK style. No, this is, no, hello, this is my Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. Oh, very sort of good. Um, so give yourself permission. So when you drop your voice down, down, I don't know if you know, the, at the back of your brainstem, you've got the biggest nerve in your whole body. It's called your vagus nerve. I always sounds, it sounds, think it sounds like an adventurous gambler. I always think this vagus, your vagus nerve. And it runs right down the back of your neck and it runs around past where your voice box is down into your stomach because that's, you know, when you feel nervous or anxious, you'll get those butterflies in your stomach and that's from that nerve. So when you're using words, like I give myself permission, it does change that nerve it does change the feeling and that makes a shift inside you and you get all those other hormonal releases the dopamine and the serotonin or with when you're with somebody you get oxytocin when you're saying no let's do this so you say i give myself permission to be the author of my own destiny you say that then get yourself in front of a mirror and eyeball it and say it like you really mean it i give myself permission to be the ruler of my own destiny. Now, the more you do that, because the words that you say and the stories that you tell yourself will absolutely influence your life outcomes. So, you know, I know when I, I live with anxiety, it lives beside me, not in front of me anymore. And when I'm having those days where it's like, okay, okay, the events are taking over, I get to that point, it's like, stop like the Spice Girls, stop right now, thank you very much. But you get to that point where you suddenly, it's like, enough. I give myself permission to sort this out because I am the author, I am the ruler, this is what's going to happen. And because you get that desire, because we're all made up of energy, all your energy, every little blip inside you, puts this energy into sorting it out. So you that's what you said, you know, you have this one thing after the other, will it matter? Well, no, of course it doesn't, because your energy is driving you to make what you want happen, because you're the, you're the what did you call yourself? The ruler of your own destiny. I am your ruler. So um, okay. that's brilliant. And then the other thing you talked about was the labels. And we have so many limiting labels, hopeless, useless, I can't do that. You're putting all these labels on yourself. And when you do that, it's going to limit you. Actually, when I'm speaking, I climb inside boxes, and each one of these cardboard boxes is one of the labels, and I put them on so the boxes are actually up to my head. And then I walk around, and of course the audience think I'm going to fall over, and, and just because I'm willing it, I'm the author of my genius, I will not fall over. I don't fall over, but then I gradually talk about how I got rid of these labels one of at a time, and I walked out. Because seriously, that you may as well be walking around in a bunch of cardboard boxes. You know, you try and sit at your office desk like that because it's that obvious when you're putting out that vibe of fear, of uncertainty, and then the events of your day start to rule you. But if you're Adam Harris, it's not going to happen because you have already made that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and what was going through my head there was, is self-limiting belief accepting the labels that we have put upon ourselves? Oh, Toby, not only accepting them, you're, you're comfortable wearing them. Look at the number of people that are complaining all of the time. Oh, my life's so hard because you've decided. I've got this fabulous friend that said this to me once. How are you? I said to her. 
She said, oh, I'm terrible. It's just terrible. Things couldn't get any worse. But they will. So don't worry, next week when life is worse, I'll be looking back at this week and thinking, well, this week wasn't so bad after all. And I was crying laughing. I just absolutely adore her, and especially when she's um, grumpy, because um, that was her perception of the world. So yes, it will be terrible, because in many ways, we don't have control over absolutely everything. We have far more control than what we think we have. So um, I'll share a story. So yesterday... um the, the constant uh, label that I've had for me over many years is I am absolutely useless at DIY. I get that from my dad. I obviously heard the stories consistently as I was growing up. Um, and a situation happened yesterday. We needed to uh, install a washing machine. Uh, I was like, hey, do you know what? I'm uh, work to my strengths, manage my weaknesses. Okay, cool. Uh, DIY, not my strong point. I'll call upon a friend to come and help me. Anyway, uh, this friend completely forgot um, and I was left in a situation. So Naomi and I ended up doing it. Um, But all the time I was kind of, I was in this process kind of going, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, And then as I kind of gave myself permission to go, look, you know, at least give it a go, um, I ended up doing it. Um, So it just, it's fascinating um, for me in the fact that you know, as as the regular listeners will know, the word for me um, uh, for this year is all about kind of trying new adventures um, and about bravery. And even just that for me was a big thing to kind of go, I'm going to try, try and plumb in a washing machine. Anyway, first load of washing done last night. It's perfectly working. Um, so, you know, uh, so let me ask you then, what, what decision have you made within the last 24, 48 hours where you've had to challenge your level of thinking? Oh, actually I'm on fire at the moment, so it's a good time to ask me. But just getting back to that washing machine for a minute, yeah. um, dump that word try. I'm going to get this washing machine okay. working. I did, I've done. Yeah, I got the washing machine going. And yeah. that's something you need to tell quite a few people, random strangers on the street. I got the washing machine going because that's going to give you that elevated thinking. Think, well, if it's going to be a washing machine, I'll be building my own house soon. Uh, so we've had quite a few challenges talking of building your own house. As you know, we've um, started a renovation during COVID, which of course is the perfect time to start a renovation. With all the stop, with everything stopping, with the shortage of resources, and we've been under a three-story ca- scaffolding. Uh, was supposed to be for eight weeks and we're in week 54 or 55 Um, it's been terrible and I thought this is terrible and so then it became terrible and in the last 48 hours it's been right I have to fix this I've got to get stuck in not I'm gonna try to fix this I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna try I'm going to fix this uh, so we've had to go back and see Mr. Bankman, and as you know at the moment, and you may or may not know that the rules around loans and things have changed considerably. And last week we got our loan through, which was wonderful, just as to finish off all the things because of of the length of time, uh, the price of resources, lots, every, it's all happening. You name it, we've probably experienced it. And then two days later, the, after approving the loan, we get an email from the bank saying, oh, we made a mistake. 
Our retail team inadvertently or accidentally approved this loan. It needs to go to construction. Oh good, I thought this is going to be fine because we will just transfer it to them and they'll tick the boxes over there. Oh no, we have to start again. So I had to have, I always give myself a period of time for wallowing because you've got to get those emotions out. You can't bury them with a big smile on your face, I'm fine if you're not. So I had to have a small moment. I like to go in the car by myself and say lots of swear words and that gives me the opportunity just to get rid of it. Yep. No one else can be hurt except I do have to say one day I was at the lights here in Auckland and I did have a few words to say and I happened to turn my head and I was in a double lane there was a man beside me and I was saying quite a few words and he looked at me and he mouthed, he was laughing obviously, I, no one looks attractive when they're angry and he mouthed the words, I love you too, back at me so that, oh. that thought, mm, which was funny, which made me smile and got me out of the mood but um, and so I'm just owning it and I have decided, I've given myself permission to properly sort this out and since I've had those thoughts, things are working a lot better for me and getting things sorted. So you don't give your emotions to everything too, which, which I think is a, a really powerful tool. That, but I want because that, you know, uh, and I include myself in that. It's very difficult not to. It's very difficult not to attach an emotion to something that has or even hasn't happened. So, so feel it, go with it, and then make that decision I'm giving myself. You know, I talk about these things called pops, and one of them is the power of permission. Give yourself that permission while it feels good. Don't limit it. We're so good at going, oh, well, I can't possibly do this. As soon as you start doing that, you are limiting what you're capable of doing. There's the, the, the power of, of permission. And then the next pop is the purpose of possibility. So tell me, Adam, what do you think the purpose of possibility is and how it would influence your life? Uh, I suppose um, you possibly could achieve anything that you want as long as there's a purpose and a driver that sits behind it. So possibility is, is opening the door. So while it looks like things aren't going well, as we all know, that so many people achieve, some people call it a miracle. They turn businesses around, you know, I, I, oh, we owed $42 billion and we had five cents coming in daily, what the heck are we gonna do? And if you hear story after story of how people are, turn things around because they use the purpose of possibility. So then you've got this purpose of possibility and then you've got your power of permission so we're on the road. Would you like to hear the next pop, Adam? I would. The next pop is your p permission, uh, your position, sorry, position of perspective. And that's where you stop and you look and you look in the room you're in right now. You've got four walls. And when you stand in each of those different walls, you can see things from a different perspective. So we know that, but you want to give that a physical go because it really does, you notice things in a room from a different perspective. And I know that um, you and I have done this before. So mm. the position of perspective, so it might be my position of perspective is I've got no blinking idea not what to do next. Um, I've never done this before. I've never been in this position. Okay, we'll move to the next wall. You might see something differently. Actually, you know what? 
I've had this experience, but it was in a different scenario. Why don't I give myself permission to try this and look at it from a different perspective? So you line up all the different positions of perspective and choose one that's going to best work for you. Um, this is... I, I'm, this is really interesting. Um, I run a number of mastermind groups, as you know, and I think you know, when you've got different people sat around the table, they are able to give you a different position of perspective because they're, they're listening and they're hearing what you're saying and they're coming in at things from kind of different angles, which, which is great if you're involved in a mastermind group. If you're just looking at this from your own perspective these these questions these tools these this framework that you're talking about is it literally the case that we have to be telling it to ourselves and actually vocalizing it out out loud or is it our inner voice um for somebody that's never uh done this sort of thing before how and what would you be recommending where where would they start but just before we get on to that tell me about this inner voice <laughs> <laughs> you've got, how long have you been hearing these voices? No, I know exactly what you mean, but I always laugh when people say, I've, I listen to my inner voice and I want to get sock puppets out and go, hello, Monica, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, you, you, you need to stop from yourself and you've got to just stop. And I love this other P word. I'm right into P today, the letter P. And that is pause and ask yourself that question. Is there another way of looking at this? is there and if you're finding you're fraught with fear and emotion the answer is probably going to say no so you have to go to one of my favorite words i love saying it and that's equanimity 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 it's a great word and that's looking at it like a helicopter perspective so you've got to dump the emotion off and look at it as if you're in a helicopter looking down because you might notice another way through or just be open to that possibility that there is another way through and way through and almost it's so interesting immediately or within a short period of time an answer an email a phone call a ad on the radio someone will say something that triggers something it's because you've given yourself you're open to changing this perspective so I don't think there's a one two three four five do it like this but just by going mm. to that position of perspective find another one ask somebody ring a friend email and you, you, you then you'll find that something will happen because you're open to it and it sounds a bit woo woo let's hold hands and sing kumbaya but it does work going to that new perspective I just uh, I just had a vision in my head. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? The program. I just imagine kind of walking walking down the street or through life, and at any one moment during the day, you've kind of got um, you've got your lifelines. You've got the you know fifty fifty. So um, the decision that you've got in front of you, uh, you can get clarity on what's right or wrong. Um, you've got the aspects of kind of phone a friend, so you're able to pick up the phone and get that get that um you know critical eye and and feedback what's the what was the other one in uh what was the third lifeline oh these these oh, on who wants to be a millionaire yeah uh, unsure but again if someone says would you like a million dollars you'll find the energy to figure it out won't you who to call who yeah. to ask um how to sneak your google open on your phone and find out what the answers you'll do what it takes 
So what does it take to get you to do what it takes? I'll say that again. What does it take to get you to do what it takes? You've got to give yourself permission, power of permission. You've got to look at the, the purpose of possibility because it's huge and be open to it. You've got to look at your position of perspective and then your points of pain. What is mm. the ouchy stuff that's going to stop you from doing what you need to do? What's your point of pain? And that's like, oh, that's when your self-awareness needs to kick in. And a lot of us don't have that self-awareness because we're too, st that word stressed, that word that used to be applied to bridges by engineers is now being applied to the physical body because of the way that we're evolving. So the, the other lifeline was uh, ask the audience. Uh, but I suppose in some ways, that's kind of what a lot of the times that we're doing we're delegating the responsibility for others, to, especially in the work environment. We're allowing other people to kind of make the decision for us um, rather than take um, responsibility. Uh, and w Monica, just remind me, you've got a, you've got a saying about, because stories for you are really, really key. What's, your, what's the saying that you've got around stories? The words that you say and the stories that you tell yourself will influence your life outcomes they absolutely will so it depends what what's going on for you and I've got this wicked sense of humor so when something's happened and someone tells me a terrible story you know for example if you borrowed someone's trailer and you didn't know them very well and you backed it and you broke it um, I laugh because I can see the funny side of it but if you think this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me again, I shall never drive again, then um, then it's going to be terrible. So it is the it's not just the stories; it's the perspective on the story as well. And often those stories can end up being, as you say, the best thing that ever happened to you when you're telling the story about all these terrible things that happened. And then you'll find that there's always something. And again, that's that's the story that you get out of it: the message, the words the points of pain, and after that, the points of pain is what patterns can I form in my day to overcome this pain? So I've, I know this friend, his name's um, Adam, Adam, Adam Harris, and whenever there's something going on, he will go and get some information and action that information. He might do a five-day juicing program. He might go on a retreat. He might form a mastermind group. But he will always do something in relation to what he needs to do to overcome that next thing. So it's something that you do probably by nature. Are you, you, know, are you fully aware of, of how you overcome it? Whatever it might be. Uh, am I? Uh... Yeah, I think, I, no, I don't think I know. Um, but then that's part of the possession of my toolkit that I've just built over the years is to, um, and it, I think it refines all the time. Uh, I'm, I suppose that self-awareness, being critical. Um, I suppose the biggest thing for me uh, that I have had to lean into is about actually asking for help. So I'm I'm really good at uh, processing and kind of analysing for myself and others, but 
if I need any help, I really struggle. Um, I'm, I, I will help anybody. More than happy to kind of help anybody, but to enact the asking of help, I I, I have challenged myself uh, to kind of do more of that. That's so interesting because you just said so many things. So I've got some questions. Who who put the tools in your kit? Who put the tools in your kit, Adam? Who put the tools in my kit? Um, me. Absolutely you did, and we all do. We open up that toolbox and we choose what goes in there. But some people would rather shut the toolbox, sit on it, and complain about the things that they do not have. All you need to do, power of possibility, is to get up. Sorry, it's the purpose of possibility. Open up that toolkit and think, what shall I put in my toolkit? And you do that um, really well. Do you have, like, you've got so many P's. Do you just, uh, do you pee freely? I mean, do you, do you forget all your P's? They're, they're pops. I've got a little picture as well. It's like, it goes in with, it's got a, um, a random hand. It's got a, a balloon in the sky with a woman hanging off it looking quite worried. And, and the pin, if the pin boosts your balloon, it's going to go pop and things are going to go to bits. But I've actually turned that around by using all these pops as good things. So after you've got your patterns um, overcoming pain, when you start to do that, you're going to start making those, those great decisions. But I wanted to just go back and talk about um, what you said about asking for help. Now, Adam, you and I are both members of the Professional Speakers Association here in New Zealand, but you're also a member of uh, Professional Speakers in UK and Ireland. And through you, I've gotten to know some of those professional speakers in the UK. And something in the culture there is that you are so... Um, together very authentic in the conversations that you have with each other and when somebody mm. wants a hand an army of people turn up they give recommendations now this is me looking at from the outside in from the exterior view of of the way professional speakers in the UK work but it seems very much that you're so supportive of each other and you will do that and the other thing also is that you and I, I love the word grace you have to give other people the grace to help you because as we know when we help someone else we feel so good so here's you adam going around feeling so good helping everybody else but you're not letting anybody else have that same buzz that's really selfish adam you need to say sorry uh i have been consciously working on it in fact i was in a coaching call oh probably about um probably about nine months ago and, would, um, and the coaching client was talking about um, struggling to ask um, friends to look after her young daughter. And the conclusion that we came to was by not asking them, you're denying them and also the other children, if they've got the opportunity to play with your, with your daughter. So I completely agree with you. I'm fully aware um, that whilst there's a level of, of uncomfortableness that actually that's where the growth comes from uh, for me but actually the grace and the joy uh, and the willingness and the ability for other people to kind of uh, to offer that um, help out um, we're coming towards the the end of the podcast uh, a couple more questions before we uh, depart um, in your book by the damn dress love your life are delicious decisions uh, uh, one at a time um, you talk about this aspect of uh, having the best day ever. 
So just, I'd love for you to just kind of finish and close with this aspect around by being decisive and making decisions. Why will that allow you to have the best day ever? Okay, so well, first up, our days are not in competition with each other. Like last Wednesday is not trying to be better than today. And we only have one day. We've only got today, which sounds like I should burst into a lovely gospel song, but I won't. Uh, we, we have only got today, so how can we have our best day ever? We can have our best day ever by, and I like to call them flip-flops, and that's something I invented with one of your friends, Nigel Risner. So we know that flip-flops are like the jandals or the thongs that you wear on your feet. And it's an acronym, FLIP, Find Life in Problems. So every time there is a problem, find some life in it by solving it. You feel so much better going, yes, best day ever. And then you might go into a flops from all solving all those problems. You find your fundamental life operating principles. That's from Nigel, the flips from me. So together, we now, now we've got a, a, a jandal each. We have flip-flops. We can walk around quite safely. So you can look back on your day and say, wow, this was pretty awful when I was stuck in traffic and I missed the meeting. But what's come out of that is that I've, I've I'm very skilled at persuading people to have another meeting. We're going to have it by a Zoom and now I'm more practiced. So again, you, it's a best day ever scenario because you've conquered that. You've conquered that one thing. Or you might get home and go, well, actually today was pretty rubbish. This happened, this happened, the next thing happened. And um, you know, one of my children recently had an accident and it was just horrific for me. Somebody's hurt my baby who's actually quite grown up. And I thought, how can this be good? And I thought, wow, I just needed the reminder of just how much I love, I love her. It was my daughter. And I was driving back from visiting her and she's, you know, had quite a bad injury. She's got concussion and a bad shoulder injury. Absolute mess. She had an accident on a mountain bike. And I just realised how hugely precious she is. And I'm driving back from visiting her thinking about all the little stories of all the things that she'd ever done. The first time she ever got into my makeup and I had her all dressed up, we're in a hurry to go out the door, I think it was to a wedding, and she comes out covered from head to toe in makeup. So I started thinking about these beautiful memories I've had with this most precious girl. The first time she drove my car, and I was with her after she got a license, she had a car accident and it was not her fault. And how we talked about it all the way home, there's lovely close memories. So mm. yeah, it's when you make that effort to dig deep and you flip it, you literally, I love saying that, like, flip it over, like how can this be good? So yes, that's where it comes from really. So thank you, Monica. So I'm gonna, this is my, my poor Kiwi accent, bro. I still can't do my Kiwi accent. Um, so Monica, where can people find you? They can go to www.monicamore.net. They can just put Monica Moore speaker, because apparently I come up when you write in Monica Moore. Do not commit. Do not uh, confuse me with Mandy Moore, who's a famous actress and also another Mandy Moore, who's a porn star. I am neither of those people. But if you get in there, you'll um, just a quick Google will find me. I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't think I'm anywhere else on social media and, and on my website, so. Awesome. Monica, thank you very much. I think for me, 
this has been great. The the aspect of uh, all the peas, um, you know, all the pops, uh, and this aspect of kind of you know the decisions, uh, the situations that happen on a day to day in our lives, whether it be personal or business, um, because stuff happens. But actually, it's about it's about how how we deal with them and how we own them um, and how we deal with them moving uh, forward. So thank you very much for joining us on the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. Uh, we work with chief execs, board of directors, senior leaders to help them have more focus, flow and fun. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Harris. And until next time, I'll see you soon. Bye for now. This has been the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. If you've enjoyed, uh, which you must have done because you've listened to the end, uh, that's great. I appreciate you sharing uh, with just one other person that you feel would uh, take value from it. Um, and I look forward to you joining me next time. And whoever I speak to, whatever I speak to, uh, just in the flow. Uh, enjoy your day. Enjoy what you're doing. And I'll see you next time on the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. Bye for now.